Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to a long overdue episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and along with me is Tim Parrish. And today we are going to talk all things hockey and hockey cards. Tim, how are you today? Oh, if I was any better, I'd be twins. Yeah, you said that one before, and I said Sutter twins or Sedine twins. Um, neither. Neither. So then you got to think of another set of twins that played in the NHL, and I, I can't, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I can't think of one either. Yeah. Were, were oh, there other twins? Yes, I, I the Lundquist twins. They're twins. Henry- yeah, Henrik, and then his uh, his less popular but equally as handsome brother Joel. I knew his brother was in the league. I didn't know they were twins. Weird. Yeah. So anyway, um, can't really segue Man. from that. But uh, <laughs> we're already starting off at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we can only go up from here, right? That's right. So, um, but no, you know, if I was if I if I was Joel Lundquist, I would I would want to like. I don't know. Like, if you if you look exactly like somebody who's a superstar, I don't know. Maybe I would be like a lookalike. You know what I mean? Like, if I had a famous brother who looked just like me, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm Joe Barry's uh, identical twin brother. But you know, for fifty dollars, I'll be Joe Barry at your birthday party. You know, I'd put on the the Rangers jersey and and you know whatever. I don't know. When I was um, a younger kid and had hair that was like really curly and thick. People used to say that I resembled Fred Savage from the long years. But uh, I don't know. I can't say I've been compared to anybody lately. My voice has been compared to Tommy Chong, which we've already discussed that one. So It's funny when you said when you were a kid and you had hair, because I just I just pictured you were a bald kid like Charlie Brown for some reason, because I've only known you since you're an adult. So I just kind of I just kind of pictured you as like a. Yeah, pretty much. My luck has been the same as Charlie Brown my my whole life. But other than that, no, I had hair. There, there's there's video and photo evidence of such things, which I will I will not share. <laughs> will not share. Be sharing on social media. Correct. So, um, yeah, we had the, we had a little bit of a hiatus between uh, our last podcast, which was actually three episodes in three nights, um, be, about the reverse retro jerseys so hopefully you checked out those episodes and then we had the uh we had the uh the fall expo and then i just got live show yeah live show yeah we did a live show on that i also interviewed bobby hall and we should have eventually we'll get the video for all of those great things and we'll definitely post those but i was gonna ask if you've gotten those yet so not yet but you know eventually it'll happen and when it does it'll be great or just okay but you'll You'll all know about it. But what I want to say is that I just got swamped at work because I've been teaching a lot of classes and I've, I have like over 120 students between my five classes and three of them were ending and I had all these projects to grade and stuff and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, so then all of a sudden work became a bigger priority than than a fun podcast. And that is too bad, but that's okay. We're going to make up for that tonight with... um. With all the news that's uh, fit to talk about, do you want to talk? 120 first about... students, you said. 
30, 60, 90, 120, about 140 students. Well, I don't, I don't know what, uh, what, what, you're, what you would be thinking on this, but I would say if each one would bring you a blaster of hockey cards, then they would just get an A and you could be done. Oh, man. 120 no. blaster boxes. Look okay, at that. No, listen, if I was going to be a teacher who accepted bribes for grades and those bribes were hockey cards... You, you have to tear it. Like, a, a blaster is like a C, and like a, ho- a retail box Ooh. would be like a B, and then like a hobby box would be like an A. There you go. You got it. Now you're talking. Tear, you know? Sounds like you've thought about this. <laughs> no, I just, I just made this up on the fly, you know? It'd be like, well, Tim, I know you want to pass, uh, I know you want to pass Advanced Web Design 102 or whatever, but, you know, you're... Five fat packs are only going to get you a D in the class. So, you know, you better do some of the assignments as well. God forbid somebody gives you something made by Panini. <laughs> well, the thing is, if I fail them, then they have to take my class again, right? So That's true. Um, you don't want to go through that twice. Uh, oh, I once had a student take the, a class with me like five times. He kept failing the class and he kept taking it with me. And... I don't know why he was doing that, but he was. I I actually got really tired of him, and I talked to the, I talked to the uh, the, the dean about that, and we're like, well, you, if they failed the class, they get the right to retake it, and they can retake it with whomever they want. And I'm just like, but no, no. You would think after twice, you would have have everything memorized at that point. Yeah, the, you know, the guy was just he would just he knew everything, but he would just stop coming to class and he wouldn't do his work. Ah. Uh. Gotcha. So, all right, I, w- I want to talk about hockey cards and not not about teacher problems. Um, so, I guess we can't really have hockey cards without a hockey season, although so far Tops and Upper Tech have proved us wrong about that, haven't they? But um, we're going to have a hockey season uh, next month, starting next month. We are. The uh, disagreement uh, amongst the players and the owners seems to have been resolved, and uh, they've decided to move forward with planning for the – uh, upcoming, upcoming shortened season. So, the uh, the biggest issue was the owners wanted to modify their agreement they had just signed earlier this year with the players, and uh, adjust the um, salary uh, deferral as well as the escrow. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody agreed to a. Um, believe it was 10 percent um deferral yes as well as a 20 percent escrow cap Mm -hmm. and because hockey relies mostly for its revenue on the gate receipts for in-person people attending games and buying tickets as well as the subsequent memorabilia and items they purchase as well as concessions and all of that good stuff. Uh, the owners were asking for some relief due to that and wanted to bump it up to uh, 20% on the deferral as well as 25% on the escrow. And the players were like, uh, no, you already agreed. And it was during the pandemic. You already knew what was going on. So you're not backing out of this agreement. But uh, without getting into all the details and 
long story short, it seemed that um, uh, there was a little bit of give and take, but uh, one way or another, we're gonna have we're gonna have a season. So, which that's is a good ex- thing. That's exciting. I mean, you know, I I think the one thing I really missed, uh, well, not the one thing because of the pandemic, we've missed a lot of things, but. Um, I, I always loved the day after Thanksgiving when you had the uh, the NBC grudge match. It was that 11 a.m. game. You know, it'd be like a good Rangers-Bruins game or Penguins-Flyers game or, or you know, two, two usually very good teams against each other at that Friday at, like, 11 a.m. slot uh, the day after Thanksgiving. And I always looked forward to that, you know. It, I, I looked forward to that because it would always be a day when I wasn't, wasn't working whether I'm working as a teacher or whether I was working, you know, in, in uh, corporate land, you know, I'd always have that day off and then it'd be like, yay, hockey, all day hockey. Right. Um, so I, I, it's, it's strange that it's December and it's the off season. So right. yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'll take any, I'll, I'll, I'll take a shortened season. I mean, yeah, I like and that's hockey, what we're going to so. have. They're um, talking about between 40, 40-some, 50-some games, I think, at this point. Just conference play or divisional um, play? It's going to pretty much be divisional play, but right now they're still – it still looks like they're going to stick with the um, division breakouts like they've been talking about. They'll be an all-Canadian division mm-hmm. and then regionally break everybody up within the United States because there's still no crossing of the borders. Um, so Canada is going to have to remain north – and everything in the U.S. is going to have to remain um, intercontinental within itself. So um, extreme, uh, I don't want to say extreme travel, but it's quite a distance for Calgary and Vancouver to be bouncing all around. But, um, you know, I guess it is what it is. You may see some shuffling in some of the other divisions. They were talking about moving Pittsburgh. Um to a more centralized division mm-hmm. that includes Detroit and Chicago, both along with oh, Columbus cool. and Nashville and possibly, uh, possibly Minnesota. But, um, I don't think they've fully decided yet on what that's going to, what that's going to look like. I'm sure we're going to find out soon now that everything's a go. Well, you can't have the penguins and the flyers, not in the same division. That's what it looked like. The, the initial thing had the flyers, uh, in with the New York teams in Boston. So, mm. well, but then again, I mean, if this is just for one season, whatever. I mean, like, uh, if it'll get hockey of... to be played, then I'm all for it. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing too is that when when fans and I'll use that term loosely were complaining about the bubble league. And they were complaining about how, well, this wasn't really a Stanley Cup final and this wasn't really a Stanley Cup playoff. And I say, yeah, it still was. So what if the rules change? It's still the best players in the world, right? So, I mean, a lot of – see, the the funny thing is is I remember when when Detroit left the Central – and they were no longer a divisional rival of the Blackhawks. And everybody was like, oh, oh, it's such a long and storied rivalry. Oh, it's such a... No, actually, the Blackhawks and the Red Wings were rivals from, like, 70, 1972 on. Okay, so it was a long rivalry. But there were there were times when they were not in the same division. Like, you know, 
pre-original six, um, you know, and then, and like, you know, even, you know, when you had like 10 different teams in like the thirties, you know, we only talk about the original six, but like going back further than that. I mean, there were times when Chicago and Detroit were not in the same division. So they were in the same division for a long time, but then there were also spans of time that they weren't. It wasn't like they were in the same division since 1926 or something. So things change, you know, things change. And then they go, oh, okay, well, we're only playing a half a season this year because of COVID. So these are the rules that we draw up. These are the rules that we agree to. And then the team that wins is the team that wins based on this circumstance. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I look back at, say, like the 2013 Blackhawks, right? And they won the the Stanley Cup, and it was a shortened season. But I don't say, well, it's not a real championship because they didn't play 82 games plus, you know, playoffs, right? Wouldn't you agree? I mean, yeah, sort of. But you're gonna you're gonna see a modified. It's gonna be modified again this year too because they're gonna let more teams in the playoffs again, just because. So, I mean, what do you do? Put an asterisk on everything? I don't know. Let them all in the playoffs. Do a thirty. You know, do do you do your 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 first? Do like a March Madness tournament. Yeah. You do thirty-two teams. There's only thirty-one teams. So you do okay. So the 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 team that finishes first gets a first round bye, right? And then you just do thirty-two to sixteen to you know eight, etc. Why not? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, obviously, more playoffs are are better from a revenue standpoint. But again, they're still dealing with the fact that you may not have fans in the stands yet. I think they did a they did a study right now with the rules and regulations. Only fifty percent of the teams in the league can have any form of uh, fans actually in their various arenas, um, and you know some are half capacity, some are twenty five percent. I mean, it's various things based off of the jurisdictions that they're in. But I think only half across the league can actually have anybody in the crowd. At this point in time, so right, right. You know, that may change once the season starts, whether it's the beginning of January or middle of January or whenever. Um, but it may change for the worse. Who knows? We don't know. I mean, it's right. still question. So, so cautious, cautious optimism. Of course, always cautious optimism. So, uh, do you want to talk about? Uh, do you want to talk about series one now? Sure, we can talk about Series 1. So, Upper Deck Series 1 for the 2021 season came out right before the Fall Expo. Uh, It has been plagued with some problems. The first problem is that because uh, a production hasn't been limited, but it's been... um, How do I say this? Like... They weren't able to put out all the Upper Deck Series 1 product at the same time. Like, it's, 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 it's rolling out in batches. Because I remember finding it at my local Target maybe about 10 days after release day. Um, and then by that point, I felt left out. I'm like, oh, everybody's breaking Upper Deck Series 1 and having fun. I want to have fun, too. So I ended up buying, like, three blasters and... Uh, Five fat packs. We'll tell you. We'll talk a little bit about talk a little bit about that in a minute. But um, Upper Deck Series One. Uh, obviously, everybody's trying to get the uh, uh, Alexi Lafreniere Young Guns rookie card. He's the only 
young gun in that set, if I understand correctly, who uh, hasn't actually... Well, no, let me take that back. They did a photo shoot of him for his young gun card. Correct. But all the other young guns in that either played late in the season or they were in the bubble on the Black Aces roster, but not that had not actually played. And I'll give you like a, for instance, Reed Duke, the first guy to ever be signed by the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. He has a young guns card. He did not play a game. Um, he did not play a, uh, a playoff game. He did not play a regular season game. I'm familiar with Duke because he played for the Chicago Wolves for a couple of years when the Wolves and the Knights were affiliated. So I'm like, yeah, all right, Reed Duke gets a rookie card, but he didn't actually get to play. Aw. But, you know, so it, it's kind of like that where you have some guys who um, might have played a game or two or they just showed up and that was good enough. Uh, I think it's a little unfortunate that there aren't more draft picks in the set. But, uh, you know, um, but that, that's not really a production problem. And then the production problems that I'll just throw out, and then you could talk, talk more about these if you want. Uh, one is that the uh, young guns have, a lot of them have been coming out of pack with really rounded corners. Some cards have been miscut. Uh, enough that, like, not just one here or there, but, I mean, it seems to be kind of a common occurrence. And then uh, the collation has been terrible. Of my three blaster boxes, seven packs each, and five fat packs, between all of those packs, I got 300, around 300 base cards, like 305, 306, whatever. But I was not even close to finishing a set. I think I ended up with about 150 out of 200 cards, and then the other 150 were doubles. But there were certain cards that I got like five or six of. Like, I think I got four or five Carter Huttons. And I want to say I got like three Alex Ovechkins. And I got, uh, you know, like where I'd get like multiples. Like I'd open two fat packs and like the first 20 cards in each fat pack would be identical. And then like the last four would be different. And I'd be like, well, that's kind of crummy. If you buy two packs from the same store at the same time and they're almost the exact same pack. So... For me, that was a letdown. Like, I wasn't expecting to get, you know, a Lafreniere or an autograph from a retail pack or even a jersey card, which those do exist in retail packs, but your your odds are long for that. Um, so that's that's my firsthand experience. I didn't have any miscuts or rounded corners, though. Yeah, the miscuts to me are... That I don't, I don't really get... Um, because it's the year 2020, not 1987. Um, so how that stuff actually falls through quality control to have cards miscut like they were, I mean, you're talking completely miscut. Um, I've seen cards where that, that silver border that runs down the left-hand side of the card has been almost in the center of the card. Um, you know, that there were a lot of those posts in the beginning when it hit you know, on social media a lot, uh, they've tapered off. So maybe it was an initial run that, that just got hammered out on a, on a few sheets that, that ended up out there. I'm not sure. So maybe, maybe that error has 
dissipated. But the rounded corner thing seems, you're right, it seems to be the most prevalent one that's out there. Um, you know, not to pile on or anything, but I, I, I don't... I, I guess I don't understand how that happens. I understand that this was rushed to get out. They were under crunch time. There was a lot of moving parts involved with getting this out, even at the time period that they got it out, which was already late. Um, but at the same time, you can't, you can't cut quality control corners for speed. Um, yeah, people would be pissed off, I think, if it was delayed anymore. But at the same time, I think they would rather have cards that looked nice and didn't have the issues on them. Um, it's not to say that Upper Deck won't fix it, because anybody that posts that stuff, if you tag Upper Deck or Upper Deck Assist, they'll they'll DM you and tell you what to do, and they'll replace the cards for the most part. I haven't seen any issues with anybody not being offered a replacement or anything for their stuff that's been damaged, but you know again it's highly annoying now i don't know if this is isolated to retail either because most of what you see people opening is retail and then they post all the big hit the big hitters are posting you know their clear cuts and their canvas mm -hmm. lafreniere's out of their cases that they bought but i don't see a lot of the issues I guess the issues are disproportionately into retail than they are into the hobby from what I've seen. But again, it's just what I've seen. So it's a very small snapshot of what's out there. And of course, people usually only post the good stuff. They don't post most of the bad. So your, your collation issue, while I understand it, I haven't gotten an upper deck hobby box in years that's had duplicate cards in it myself. Now I've gotten back to back boxes that have not come from the same cases that have been very similar with similar cards in them. But I don't know that I've gotten two back-to-back -back boxes from a hobby standpoint that had, that had duplicates from retail. Yes. From fat packs, most definitely, but I can't recall a hobby box for series one or two. Opeachy. I have, that's a different story. I've gotten dupes out of multiple peachy boxes, but like regular series one, I, I, I personally haven't got that, but I can't really speak to firsthand experience for this because I have none. So, I mean, I've got a yeah. few that some folks have sent me, um, some penguin cards from series one, but, uh, I haven't been able to buy any retail or hobby. So that's well, just, uh, my situation. Well, I just lucked into finding some some hobby or excuse me some retail packs that day, so I, I, I bought them. Um, and uh, as you should. Well, yeah. I mean, usually I, I'm I, I don't know. Like I, I don't mind buying hobby boxes every now and then because, like you know, like I said, if I buy two hobby boxes of series one, I'm probably gonna get a set or close to it, and. Uh, and by close to it, I mean, like, I've al almost always been able to buy two hobby boxes and get make a complete base set. Or I buy three hobby boxes and I make almost two complete base sets. And then, you know, I get the, the six young guns per box. And, I mean, that's 
the gamble you take. You know what I mean? That's that's why we're doing it, right? Because I mean, you could buy, you could get a base set for for cheap. And then there have been other years where I just go, eh, I'll just buy a base set for ten or twenty dollars, and then I'll just pick up the young guns as I find them. You know, and then I'll probably never get the the really good one from that year because I still don't have John Tavares. I still don't have Sidney Crosby. I, I do have a complete 0708 set with all the young guns. And I have, I think I have all, and I, I do have all the 0607 young guns as well. So, so I mean. Malkin and Carey Price and Taze yeah. and Kane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Malkin was in his 0607 and then the other gents were in 0708. But yeah, those, but I mean, I, I, it took me years to, 0607, I bought a ton of product that year. Because yeah. I was still working my nice, comfy corporate job where I could be like, yeah, I'll spend $500 on hockey cards, you know, and I'd buy a case of Series 2. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, good That's times, how I was with 11-12. I'm not sure really? why. Yeah. I got oh. so many Young Guns canvas cards that year. Never got a full set of them, but just a lot. So I will say this, though, and we could we could – table this part of the discussion for another time maybe when you have some more upper deck cards in hand but i will say i do really like the design of this year's cards i really really like the base card design i like the young gun design um do you know what i like about the base card design um that it has rounded corners no i don't know what do you, what do you like about it Wow, don't even want to take a guess. I mean, other than the other than the photo and that big giant banner down the side, I mean, what what is it that you like? I like that the banner is down the side. I like the fact that these go full bleed from top to bottom because one thing that I've noticed about hockey cards, but of course really that has to do with hockey, if you think about it, baseball where where are the players hands no basketball baseball football hands are up right ball is in the air puck puck is down on the ice right so it's always like i feel that like a lot of times when upper deck does like some sort of a border or something at the bottom you know again think of like the 11 12 design i think that had like the 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 black oval with the player's name in it and then it kind of had like that kind of curved like border on the bottom Mm-hmm. Um, so much stuff happens ground level. You have the stick, you have the puck, um, you might have a goaltender making a save that I feel like that it's, it's a shame to cover that up. So I like the fact that the name and the logo are on the side. Now I'm not saying that they always show the puck because a lot of times they can't, but you know, you see the player's feet most of the time, the feet aren't getting cut off. And then if it's a shot that has like a puck in it, like, I mean, one, for example, is like uh, uh, Darcy Kempfer's card. Um, he's playing the puck and you actually see the puck. But if there was a border at the bottom, that would get covered up. The blade of the stick would be covered up and the puck would be covered up. So I, th- that's why I like the design. Cause I feel like it works really well for hockey, right? If, if, um, you know, you can get away with a border along the bottom with like football or basketball, cause there's, you know, nothing to see down there. The ball is, you know, usually chest level, waist level, whatever, depending on the sport. Right. Always with the existential thinking you are. 
Yeah, well, I mean, no, but you, I don't know if it's existential. I think it's just good design. You know what I mean? Like, hey, where's the puck? It's on the ice. Oh, cool. Let's cover that up with a border, right? Now you can't see it. Like, again, that 11-12 set, right? Uh, you can't see, I, I, there's a lot of cards where you can't see the puck because the player's stick is down on the ice with the puck, but then that border just kind of fills in. And I mean, there's other examples too. Um, it, you know, the early upper deck cards, because they'd be zoomed out far enough because they had borders on all the sides so that they, uh, they'd they usually try to show the puck. And then 94, 95, they went full bleed. Uh, again, they had a design where the stripe was down the side with the player's name, but, you know, you had full bleed at the top and the bottom. So I appreciate that design choice in the 2021 Upper Deck Hockey set. The other thing I really like are the portraits. Ugh. Everybody seems to like those. And I think I, I feel like everyone should not have liked them. And now I'm in the minority of people that do not like this set. I said last year that I thought they should retire the set because it just started looking like the same every year. This year it looks totally different, but I don't like it. Well, no, last year is when they did the two pictures. Yeah, but it was still the design of the card looked similar. Yeah, but I, I mean, thought. at least it was two they pictures. It was the two pictures, but then it was so, it was, you know, Olin Mills Sears Portrait Studio pictures. And I thought that was lame. Now they've gone back even further. And so now we're doing Saved by the Bell and, you know, late 80s, you know, pro cards type well, stuff. I, I think the laser background is more of like a 1990s thing. Cause I think I remember my high school, we never had any cool backdrops or, or grammar school. We never had any cool backdrops. I remember like my senior year photo it just had like a um just kind of like that paisley kind of background you know what i'm talking about just that kind of like you know like like bluish blackish yeah. whatever yeah. you want to call it swirl yeah, um, a, new, I, a neutral color back that would ma that matches with most people's clothing regardless right. of what you wear and then i think my sister who's a couple years younger than me i think they got to like pick backgrounds i think they got to have like kind of like cooler kind of backgrounds for like your senior year pictures and i was like oh man that's so cool i i i want the laser backgrounds right so i mean to me this just feels 1995 you know like and and i'm okay with that um yeah i mean like i said i i I've pretty much given up on the profiles, but the design of them is kind of crazy. It does remind me of something you would have seen in like upper deck choice or collector's choice at one point or another. That's geared more towards kids that probably should have stickers on it. Yeah. It does but, feel very collector's choice, especially yeah. when you factor in that it has not well seen in scans, but there is actually like a purple foil on them at the top. Oh, okay. And then nobody ever scans the back, but the back also has kind of a very kooky design. That's that's like the Saved by the Bell intro screen. Yeah. Speaking of which, I binge-watched the Saved by the Bell reboot series over Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving weekend because there was no hockey on. There was no sports on that I wanted to watch. I mean, the Bears 
they're terrible and I'm not really into like football enough that I'll just watch two random teams like all right screw it I'm gonna watch the Saved by the Bell reboot series we'll save that for another podcast though do you regret your life now no you know put it to this way my 30 second review of the Saved by the Bell the new Saved by the Bell series um is that every episode had at least one line that was laughed out loud funny and then it also was very good at poking fun of itself or poking fun of the the show from the 90s so it was it was good and and i i was never a fan of the show in the 90s but it was just it would be on like i think it was on in the late 80s and early 90s and i'd still watch cartoons even when i was in high school i'd watch cartoons and i I remember it used to be on after Elvin and the Chipmunks, and so I'd, I'd catch, I'd, I'd catch bits and pieces of the show, and then it was on syndication on WGN in Chicago. So a lot of times I would just catch an episode because it was on before or after something I wanted to watch. Um, but no, I don't regret my life. I don't feel stupider for watching it. Um, I feel stupid after watching an episode of Friends. I didn't feel stupid after watching an episode of Saved by the Bell from 2020. I feel like Friends didn't hold up. I used to love Friends when I was in college. We watched Friends all the time, and it was funny, and it was great, and timely, and everything else. And I've watched, I've tried to watch a few episodes now, and I'm just like, eh, it's not funny. Mm. Like, I don't know why this was ever funny. So I guess that was something that just didn't hold the test of time. But yeah, so that's good. I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it. I don't know that I'll ever watch it, though, just because I have too many other things to watch. No, understandable. But, but uh, yeah, so these cards. back to the series one. So, oh, yeah, you I, know what this you know, feels like? You know, have... this, like, this looks like the Yo! MTV Raps cards. Yeah, that's why I said the pro cards or whatever they were. Pro pro set. Was it pro set that made them? Pro set made Yo! MTV Raps cards and yeah. pro cards made minor league sports cards. But Who the made... purple and the green and the yellow. Yeah, this is so Yo! MTV Raps. Pro set did the, um, like the rock cards too? Pro set did the, um, did music cards. I music. think I sent your wife a set of those, remember? Yeah. When I sent you and your kids, I, I sent you a package a couple of years ago with like a bunch of sets. And I think I sent you guys like some Muppets trading cards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, Pro Set did a bunch of, they did uh, music cards. That's what um, those remind me of. Yeah. Yeah, well, they also did Yo! MTV Raps, which was just focused on rap. And then it, it used a purple and um, green color palette on the design of those cards. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but getting back to series one. So, yes, I like the design. Yes, I like the cards. Um, I'm disappointed in the collation, but you say that's pretty standard for retail, not for hobby. I haven't really. In my experience, yeah. About the hobby. Well, I, I read on Twitter, one guy was saying that he, he did a case break and he got like a ridiculous amount of dupes. But that's just one guy. And I wasn't, again, committing exactly what he said to memory. So I'm not going to say, well, that's gospel because that's just one example. Well, and you touched on it from the get go. This was this was put out fairly quickly. So 
if they're going to have additional print runs going further and there's going to be multiple waves of product hitting store shelves, whether it's hobby or retail, I would hope that these things would get fixed. So maybe when wave two comes out, maybe then there won't be the QC problems. And maybe that's when I'll jump in. When that's going to be, I don't know. I don't know if they even announced that stuff, but I imagine if retail shelves all of a sudden one day are packed to the gills with product, then, you know, wave two hit. Because <laughs> right now, I know at least around me, in a suburban area 40 miles outside of Chicago, there ain't crap on any store. Nothing at Target, nothing at Walmart, nothing at Meyer, nothing in the smaller shops that generally carry stuff on a shelf. There's nothing. So... Oh, one thing I want to bring up, though, is that the uh, Alexi Lafreniere Young Guns card, which <laughs> made its eBay debut at $600, is now yeah. about a $200 card. Yeah, that thing blew up like crazy. People were buying it five, six hundred bucks. Um, it was definitely trending in the $300 to $400 range for most of the time that you saw it out there. But yeah. Most of them now you can get between $150 and $200. Uh, closed auction sales are all ending right at that point. In, um, same with the canvas card. The canvas card's going for the same thing. Now, obviously, the, the, the few high glosses that have hit out there are going for a heck of a lot more. And the, um, uh, the clear cut and the exclusive. Um, but uh, for the basic... The basic young gun. Yeah, it didn't take long for that one to come down. Makes sense. I mean, as the market saturates with them. Well, that was kind of... That was my whole thing in the beginning is... Social media was just getting hammered right off the bat. At the days, it's like, you get a Lafreniere and you get a Lafreniere. I'm like, what is this, Oprah? I mean, everybody was getting one out of retail, out of hobby. It didn't matter what they were opening. It was like they were everywhere. And I'm thinking, how is this even happening? And again, I go back to what I said before is people only post the hits. So right. maybe they maybe they opened 7,000 packs and they're like, oh, look what I got. Well, take a picture of the giant pile of cards you threw away <laughs> just looking for this one. But yeah, there were so many that were hitting out there. And I, I, I feel like... In the beginning, like in 15, when everybody was chasing the Connor McDavid card, I don't feel like there were as many out there right off the bat. Now, there's a ton out there now. I mean, just do a search on eBay and you'll find just tons. Of, of Lafreniere's? No, of of the Connor McDavid young gun. Mm. But I don't remember there being this much saturated into the market as quickly. At that point in time, um, which if you follow that same path, well, okay, if there weren't as many Connor McDavid's at the initial outbreak, but there are now, there's this many Lafreniere's now. Imagine how many there will be with another print run or maybe even a third print run, depending on, you know, how many times this this hits. And you got to keep in the back of your head, there's still EPAC. Mm-hmm. And whenever they decide to throw this product out on EPAC, I mean, there's got to be some inventory available there. 
as well for those cards to be chased in the digital form to be turned over into actual real cards. So I don't know. I mean, is this going to have a much higher, is there going to be just tons and tons and tons of these that, you know, that 400 went to 300. Now it's down to 200 within four or five months. It's going to be down to 100. And, you know, let's say he doesn't become this barnstorming rookie right off the bat in the season. And he, not that he won't, but let's just say he does. Does that, does that hurt even more? Because here's the thing. We haven't had anything during COVID as far as a regular season goes. We've only had the playoffs, right? Right. And so there was a limited amount of teams that were available to be broadcast on television. And since everybody's been cooped up and, and hungry for sports, more people were tuning into hockey to watch because there was no other sport on. And it affected card prices, just like it did in, does in other sports. Not as much as basketball. Like during the basketball playoffs, I mean, a guy would come off the bench and score 35 points and the, his dollar rookie card the next day was 45 bucks. So, I mean, that was happening like crazy. But let's say we're still in this position. People are still a captive audience. And now they're going to start doing the same thing based off of everyday gameplay of NHL players. You know, his card could go down, but then let's say he comes out and does his bang up performance. Let's say he, he pulls an Austin Matthews, scores four goals in his first game. Well, um, that may shoot back up over 400 bucks again. So, well, it's uh, because Abanajad had that five goal game and then his rookie cards all shot up like yeah. almost immediately. Right. We talked about that because I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm sitting on these. $50, $60 rookie cards. I'm like, where, what? They're in my like $2 box. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden they're, you know, it's gold. It's gold, Jerry. It's gold. I could print, I could print my own money with those. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, for, for me, I'm going to wait till the next round and see if some of these quality control issues get, uh, get solved before I jump into any bulk of the product. Um, I do like, I will say this, um, as much as I don't like the profiles, I like those Dazzler cards. Mm. I think those are pretty cool with like the neon Dazzler logo at the bottom and mm-hmm. the different color, um, the different color foil board that's used in the design pattern. Mm-hmm. I think those are kind of cool. Um, I could have done without those worldwide cards. I don't know if you got any of those in your mix. I did not. They're kind of... Yeah, to me, it's kind of a generic throwaway design with the player kind of superimposed over a giant flag. Mm-hmm. So uh, just kind of par- 63, 64 Parkhurst all over again. Yeah, sort of. Um, but the uh, wasn't a big fan of those. But um, the jersey cards, too. I don't know. Did you pull any jersey cards out of what you opened? No, nah, because I, I bought retail. So Okay. The game jerseys are kind of... Not a not a big fan of the design. They have like a swooping kind of slash logo that's like a hockey stick, and then in the blade of the hockey stick is the patch piece. Yeah, I um, actually kind of like that though. Uh, considering over half of the card is used as part of the design layer, and then there's just a small 
kind of the other portions left maybe a third of the card is left for the player photo most of them i've seen they're basically chest up the rest of the photo has been cropped Mm -hmm. because of the image um you know it is what it is people don't usually go after the upper deck game jersey cards they chase the patches Mm -hmm. with the parallels that are only like fifth limited to 15 copies um but um yeah i mean as far as a base as far as the base design goes it's not bad um, I, I don't know that it, I would rank it as in my top five from upper deck for the last 20 years, as far as designs go, but you know, the, the young guns are kind of nice. I, I do like that design. Uh, I just hope that when I do decide I don't get rounded corner ones. Right. That's the other thing too. You know, most of those pictures I saw of those rounded corners, mm-hmm. not, not to go back to this, but it didn't look like they were rounded, like smashed. You know what I mean? It didn't look like the, like the pack, you know, sometimes the pack. Just right. Didn't sting. It didn't look like that. They weren't frayed. It wasn't like, it wasn't like dented. It looked like it was actually cut that way. And that's what I found to be weird in most of the photos that I saw of those. So I don't know. I mean, whatever. You know, it is what it is. So um, I don't like the fact that hobby boxes are still up around the $130, $140 mark. That that kind of, that makes me crazy. Um, so hopefully with another printing, that'll, that'll correct itself too. Right, right. So yeah, with more supply, with more supply with equal demand, hopefully it goes opposite of how it has been and the value, the prices don't go up. But Upper Deck always says, we don't control pricing. It's the retailers that do. So so talk to me about Chronology. Because Chronology came, the next Chronology set came out, and there was a backlash over styrene letters. Now, I'm going to sound like a total noob when I say, what's a styrene letter? Uh, in layman's terms, plastic. So if you went to the hardware store and you were looking to put letters on the side of your house or on your mailbox, and you mm-hmm. bought those plastic lettering, kind of that's pretty much what you're more or less uh, going to get. So, so in the previous uh, chronology set, they were not plastic letters. They were actual twill. Yeah. So here's, here's, the, gist of the, here's the gist of all this. So chronology is a set that volume one came out and it was retired players and hall of famers and legends. And the set was jam packed full of a checklist where you could get autographs and patch pieces and just a whole sort, a whole slew of different really cool looking products. They came out with the time capsules where you could either leave them or rip them open. And there was a mini card of something in the inside. They had the letterman patches, which, you know, we're always in game day and they would have like the game day marks or the lettermans and they were always a manufactured. It wasn't an actual Jersey, but it was a manufactured letter made of fabric stuck in the card and they were autographed and, you know, they were autographed either on the swatch piece or in the case of chronology, there was an acetate covering over top of them. So they were encapsulated and then they would sign on top of that. Um, that was volume one volume two comes out. People were expecting the same thing that first of all, the checklist is mixed. So when they announced it, it's mixed between um, current and retired players. Now 
And the thought process was, well, if we're going to do multiple volumes of chronology and we're covering the base of, you know, hockey history here, obviously we have to include common players. Okay, fine. I get that. It's not truly a complete throwback set. It's a continuation that's going to add, you know, add more to it as it goes. Well, the manufactured patches were made by a distributor or vendor or whatever you want to call them that was shut down due to COVID. I mean, it is what it is. Be that as it may, the company that upper deck used to get these was shut down. So all of the retired players and hall of famers, they already had the patches, but any of the newer guys, they did not. Um, so what do you do, right? We promised this product. We want to get this product out. We have a deadline. So what do do we do? So they released the the pictures and everything and the mock-ups back in, what was it? March or April of this year. Mm -hmm. Um, then they updated those once they realized they couldn't get the manufactured patches and they added a picture of I believe it was Carey Price and it was the uh, Letterman patch for Carey Price but it wasn't a patch it was just it looked like a painted letter or a drawn on letter or not drawn on but like just a print like mm. if you printed a big bold faced letter E right on your computer and stuck it on a piece of paper that's what it looked like um, but this was only done on their Facebook page on Upper Deck's Facebook page I, I don't recall it being released onto any of the other shows for media, whether it was Instagram or, um, or Twitter, uh, but it was released on Facebook into one of the comments on the previous photos that had been released originally in March. So if you follow them and you're always looking at that, you may have seen it. I didn't. I know a lot of people that didn't. And so this came as a huge surprise. So Upper Deck basically went to their thing and they're like, hey, we told you we were going to do this. Well, did you? I mean, I suppose you did, but you had other avenues that you could have announced that information and you didn't. And you only put it on a limited thing because there are a lot of people that aren't on Facebook. In fact, a lot of younger people are not on Facebook because Facebook is for their parents, which I was informed of about two weeks ago. So, um, and now Twitter is for your parents too, which kids apparently don't want to use that either. Twitter moms Uh, like us too. Yeah. So if I want to advertise anything or sell stuff, I suppose I have to make TikTok videos now. And that's the only way kids, kids will see things. Except they don't have any money. So, Oh, well then there you go. But, uh, anyway, so long story short, they released the product it hits, it hits the stores. It gets in people's hands. They start busting this open. Where's the patch? This looks like it's a template. They must have forgot the patch. Why isn't there a patch? What is this card? Is this a mistake? Is this an error? And people just, I mean, it snowballed from there. And this stuff was, was hitting left and right, and people were pulling this out, and they're going, what in the world is this? Is this a piece of paper? What is this? So... 
Upper Deck says it's essentially styrene, which if you look up what styrene is, it is a form of plastic. Um, it's for for lack of a better explanation, it's a quote unquote high quality plastic. And it is exactly what they used when they made golf cards back in the day and they did the scorecards that they had golfers sign. Mm-hmm. The scorecards were actually made out of the same material. Uh, so this isn't the first time they've used it in a product, but it's the first time they've used it in a while. Um, the reasoning that was given is because all of their cards have to go through a testing process. Um, any material they use that they want to put in a card, they have to come up with a mock-up design and they have to put it through different tests to see whether it's a patch, some type of relic, a piece of metal, a piece of plastic, whatever it may be, they have to test everything about it. The material, the... Uh, the dye that's used in it, the paint that's used in it, the lead, if there's lead in the ink, uh, whatever. They have, to, they have to do all of this type of testing, right? So here you are waiting for your manufacturer patches to come in. They're not coming in. They're not coming in. You got to get this product out. You already know that testing takes a month, two months to complete, to go through all that process. What do you do? Well, let's pull out something we've already tested. And that's what they did. Mm. And that's what those score tart. That's why they used that material because it was something they already had. They had already tested it. They already knew it worked. So that's what they were going to do. Um, if they would have waited, you wouldn't, we wouldn't have the, the hard sign signatures. Um, because obviously that takes time too, to get the hard sign signatures back. Um, and for a product that was already late, well, that's what we're left with. Doesn't mean I like it. But if you if you back up the timeline and see I'm not involved in printing cards, I'm not involved in creating, you know, a card product and everything that goes into it. So I don't know what's going on, on behind the scenes. So you either take the people's word for it or you make your own conclusions. So, you know, upper decks come out and say, you know, we, we aren't intending the bait and switch that everybody's talking about, you know, we advertised that there was going to be manufactured patches, but lo and behold, there's not, we're not even telling you that they're patch card because if you look on the ones that have that styrene letter on the back, it doesn't say you received a manufactured patch or a patch at all. It says you received a relic. What does relic mean to me in trading card industry in jargon, a relic means it's something that was used whether it was in a game or whether it was at an event or whether it was manufactured, it's some type of thing that represents something. So using that generic meaning, some type of thing, something, then sure, anything's a relic. You could put a rock off the ground and stick it and glue it to a card, and it's a relic. It's a rock um, relic from the parking lot outside. Actually, I have a rock card. It okay. is a uh, the Neolithic stone tools from a, a champ's set, but it's sure. basically just a sliver of a rock. So it's a sliver and, of a rock that's six million years old. So great, yeah, from the Neolithic era. So uh, 
We'll have but, to ask Jim Howard when that was from, because he's a uh, he's a geologist. But, well, uh, if this, I, I can guarantee you, this styrene plastic was not from the Neolithic era um, that they're using. Just and, real quick, let me ask this: Do the letters, do the styrene letters look anything like Jersey letters? Like, did they try to make them look like Jersey letters? Because if you're going to put it underneath a piece of uh, clear plastic and then sign over it anyways, I guess I don't really care if it's a fuzzy jersey letter or if it's a fake jersey letter that doesn't really look like a jersey letter. I, I mean, that isn't fuzzy. You know what I mean? If you took it's it's not fuzzy. It's not raised. It's not anything. If you printed out a giant letter that's about, you know, two, two and, and a half, half inches, inches tall. tall by an inch and a half wide and you printed it in a block letter in whatever that font is used, the generic font, that's what it is. So that's why people were like, wait a minute, they forgot the patch. This this looks like it was just a template. Right, I see. Like this was, this is the size that it's supposed to be, and they forgot to glue the... To glue the letter over it. Glue the letter over it. So that's what a lot of people thought in the beginning, but no, it's what it is. So, you know... Upper deck is uh, took took offense to the people saying that they were cutting corners to keep costs down, and um, they've already commented on the fact that you know they think that's a BS. Um, whatever you want to call it, accusation by by many folks because you know in their like I said earlier, they feel that market dictates price. And if people are getting gouged on the back end for, because of it, it's not because of, you know, what they're doing. Um, definitely prices didn't go down of boxes once mm-hmm. everybody found out that this was in there. Um, but you know, you know, thick cardstock costs more money to cut because there's more labor involved. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to do all this testing on materials and products that costs money. You know, so whatever you're going to do to put, you know, in the card, if you're going to put a patch or you're going to put something else that costs money to obtain that the labor involved with sticking it in the card, all of that. I, I get all that. I get all of that. But to piggyback this off of quality control issues on series one, this has been like a snowball roll. And it's just picking up steam and picking up steam. And it's like, you know, Upper Deck can go on however many podcasts and do as many YouTube videos and interviews they want and talk about the realities of it. It, And I get it. Everybody's sick of hearing the COVID excuses. There's literally a COVID excuse here. Their vendor was shut down. They could not get this stuff. And people say, well, why didn't you pick a different vendor? I mean, at that point in time, you have to you'd have to you have to vet all that stuff, right? I mean, if you're a business owner and you have a vendor that's supplying you with a with uh, a raw material, right? And you decide yeah. to change vendors, you got to vet those people. You can't just say, "Well, I'm going to go with this guy." You don't you're know starting what kind over, of product basically. they put out. Yeah, you got to start over. You got to do the research. You got to do everything else. And again, we're crunched for time, so I'm not giving them a pass on this. I really, I'm, that's not what I'm doing. I know everybody's probably listening now going, what are you doing? Like you should be crucifying them right now. I already did my crucifixion on social media of this product. And I, 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 again, I don't like it. I think it's stupid. 
Uh, if I was them, I would have waited because there was an expectation for this product to be high end. And having something like that to me is just like, and, and not that manufactured patches are high end anyway. It's not like you're getting something that was game worn or game used or even event used. It was made up and stuck in the card for a purpose. Right. And that was for to display. But to me, that's not something you do in a higher end product. If you wanted to do that and like make that as part of retail SP, go right ahead. If you wanted to do that in MVP or OPG, great. Fine. But for something like Chronology, where you get four cards in a box, and that box is going to cost you 150 bucks or more, 200 in Canada, I would not be happy about that. Now, I've seen a ton of these for sale. Um, initial prices were really high until a lot of this stuff hit, and then some of them have dropped. The manufactured ones are still up there, depending on the player. And again, that's going to be the same thing. Depending on the player, it's going to get more. Some are going to get more clout than others. But, you know, like I said, I get it. I understand you got, you, you know, you got issues. We're all dealing with issues. And the fact that they were able to even come out with the product is probably a miracle in and of itself. But man. If you can't, if you can't keep it at a level that's a level of expectation, don't do it. Well, and I think that's why uh, Upper Deck was very tight-lipped about when the cup was going to come out, because during their presentation at the Fall Virtual Expo, they said we, you know, we. Well, not we. Well, first they had a joke. They said, first the first rule, nobody talks about the cup. I mean, it was a joke about, you know, like Fight Club. But then they said, you know, that the product needs to have hard-signed autographs, you know, autographs on card. And right now they, they can't do that. So they said that they would announce more information as it got closer to the release date. So they're not going to cut corners. What does that mean? They never gave a release date. That's what well, I don't get. Well, no, but the thing is, is they don't have a release date because they don't have the signed cards. And until they have the signed cards, they say they, they pack out the product by hand. And they have to they, they have to get the cards signed. Uh, the players aren't signing stickers, they're signing the cards. So, the, you know, so right. it, it, it's a longer production process. That's why it seems to come. That's why, like, a set of the cup comes out halfway through the following season. You know, you're your 1920 cup is going to come out halfway through the 2021 season. And well, we haven't really started the 2021 season yet. So, I mean, okay. So the cup for 2020 might not come out until middle of 2021, but. Well, you're waiting for signatures from players that are still playing during the season. So a lot of that stuff probably comes in, in the off season. That is that fair to us here. Okay. So we've been in this off season for a while. In fact, for any team that wasn't a playoff team, we've been in the off season since the complete shutdown, right? Right. So all of these guys sitting at home or doing whatever, you're telling me they couldn't get any of this stuff signed? Because here's the reality. We're not getting this product in December. 
No, obviously not. I mean, because we would have heard about it by now. We're not going to get it in January. We're probably going to get it in May. And if the season starts, you can guarantee we're not going to get it in February, March, or probably April. Especially with all of the other releases that are scheduled to come out between now and then. If they still keep all of the things that are on the list, the Black Diamonds, the Artifacts, which still hasn't come out yet, which is usually the one of the first sets to come out each year. Right. Um, you know, Synergy's still going to come out. Allure. Uh, trilogy. Allure's, yeah, the New Year's Allure Trilogy's going to come out. They're all still on the list as being released, so... I uh, doubt. Let us not forget metal skybox oh, yes. metal. I'm, skybox I'm metal. It, I'm calling it Fleer Metal Universe, even though it's skybox metal. Whatever. Yeah. So, you know, with all those on the horizon, that's obviously the big one because that was the big secret that they've been keeping for a while that was only hinted at a little bit. So there's going to be a lot of fanfare around that one, and it's slated for like April. So I gotta inter- interject something though, because. You know how much I love Fleer Metal Universe. I mean, uh, well, there are some people that don't. They think it's gaudy and oh, it's gaudy. Oh, whatever, right? Yeah, no, but I, I love the over the topness. That's why I like the portraits cards from this year because they're over the top. You know, I had a graphic design teacher who said, "If you're gonna do it, do it. You know, do it all the way. Right? Like just." You know, if, if you're going to make it big, make it really big. If you're going to make it bright, make it really bright. Don't don't half-ass it. Do, go all the way, right? And I mean, and that's what I tell my students, too. If something's a little off, it looks like a mistake. So if you're trying to make something off on purpose, really make it off. You know what I mean? Like, if they took the portrait cards from two years ago and put on them, they'd be like, oh, whatever. But the fact that they did the purple foil, the Saved by the Bell font, the laser background, etc., it's like it all works together, right? A perfect storm of gaudiness. Right. Now, with Metal Universe, this, after my initial, like, oh, my God, wore off, like, the person doing the presentation was like, well, you know, um, it's a Metal Universe card because uh, it, it's made of metal, and you see that there's uh, there's outer space behind the player, and I'm like, well, if that's all it's going to be is a player in front of outer space... Nah, then you totally missed the point of Fleer Metal Universe. It wasn't about outer space. It was just about him being ridiculous. Unfortunately, I don't think we can have ridiculous anymore because the Players Association has to approve everything. So we will no longer get a Doug Waite card where he's standing barefoot in a pile of sand on the beach. You mean there won't be floating eyeballs in this release? There will be no floating eyeballs or giant plants or cybernetic implants or a nucleus of an atom. Well, I don't think there will be. I hope there will. That would be awesome. And whether they call it FLIR Skybox or or Showcase or whatever they put the name on it, I mean, they've done this a couple times in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, they had the FLIR Retro, they had the uh, Showcase, um, where they they used the, the metal cards in it. So, I mean, obviously people are going to be chasing after those, uh, um, what are they, the, the P, the, the, where are the ones, the, the, the gem, the, the gem shiny ones. What are they called? Oh. Precious Metal Gems. Precious. 
I was like PGM. That's not right. PMGs. Yeah, people will be chasing those. I'm sure they'll throw those in there. But, but yeah, back to your cut point. There's going to be more fanfare on the Skybox thing because it's kind of anticipated, especially when they teased it and then announced it. So it's not going to coincide with that. So mm-hmm. I just wonder when it's going to come out. And you know, everybody said there's no way they do away with the cup. Well, it's one of the only annual sets that people look forward to that's not on anybody's release calendar so that's why i find it you know will upper deck cut that i'd be a fool to think they would but again it's nowhere there's not even a there's not even a tbd on a list anywhere so i don't know you know so you know if they said that they're still working on it then you gotta take their word for it they're still working on it but uh hopefully it doesn't include styrene so bad i want to make an announcement about just a couple of uh recent updates and releases so 2021 upper deck mvp hockey is now on epac and also recent releases last week president's choice trading cards released its latest game used insert set called glove which featured pieces of game worn hockey gloves and then uh this friday they're releasing another insert set called pad, which is pieces of goalie pad. And there will be cards that have, some of them will have four goalies and four pieces of pad and others will have six goalies and six pieces of pads. And what I do like about uh, the president's choice cards is they always, except for uh, one of their sets, which has like a piece of memorabilia and a, autograph and they're both like the autograph is like a cut thing um but pretty much all of their cards has the picture of the player so if it's a pad six or a glove six or a captain's row six or whatever it has headshots of all six of those players one thing i don't like about leaf is that they'll have like you know picture of a jersey a picture of the back of the jersey yeah like, you know, well, you know, Jean Beliveau couldn't be here. So in his place is a Jean Beliveau jersey. I just, it's like, it, you know, oh, is that the jersey that you cut the swatch from? Well, no. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it, that, that doesn't make sense. Like, if you can't picture the player, unless it's for a very particular reason, then don't bother. You know what I mean? Like, then just don't bother. So I do like the fact that they do picture uh, the players, um, so, yeah, so a couple of uh, those releases uh, that are out or about to be out. Um, you want cool. to talk about... I'll have to check out that... I'll have to check out the uh, the checklist. See, you, see what pens might be on there. Do you want to talk about your uh, COMC order? Uh, because the, actually, I'll just say this really quick while while you gather your. Uh, you really want me to like go on a rage binge, don't no, you? No, not really. <laughs> we've, we've been doing this for an hour, and I'd like to I'd like to get to the Gretzky card, but okay. um, we haven't been on the sh- we haven't done a show in like two weeks, so I, I do want to just kind of touch on some things. COMC had had its annual Black Friday sale, which lasts that weekend, and then a Cyber Monday sale, and I don't know why they just don't have it be one long sale. I don't know why they make it two different sales because. To me, as a buyer, it's like the card is either at a price that I want it to be or it's not. So um, I 
was like, yeah, I'm going to buy some more cards because there's a few cards I've been eyeing that are like, you know, maybe in the 10 to $20 range. And then I'm still trying to build a 16, 17 compendium set. Um, before the sale, I was probably about 30 cards away from finishing the 900 card set. So I said, ah, maybe I'll, I'll knock off the set in this sale, which I did not. I'm down to about 15 cards now. And I think what really slowed me down was that I realized that I wasn't going to get any of these cards anytime soon. So it's one thing when you go, oh, I'm only 30 cards away from completing the set. And if I buy them and I get them shipped and then I'll have them and then I'll have the whole set and that'll be cool. And, oh, here's a really cool jersey card that I want. And here's a cool autograph card I want. And here's a printing place that I want. And, you know, you get excited about adding those things to your collection or, oh, the last three cards I need to finish this other set, right? But then as I was buying the cards, I was spending off credit that I already had on the site. Then I was just kind of like, well... I'm not going to get these cards till April. And then it's just kind of like, you know, instead of me going and buying another $50 in credit, I kind of just spent down what I had on, on credit, maybe about $15. And then I just stopped. And then I go, well, yeah, I'll see if anything happens interesting for Cyber Monday. And then Cyber Monday rolled around and I might have like bought one or two more low end cards. And then that was it. And normally like the last year's Black Friday sale, I think I probably spent about a hundred dollars at that. You know, whenever they do Black Friday or spring cleaning sales, I usually reload my credit and I go on a little mini buying spree. And then I go, oh, I have about a hundred cards now or two hundred cards, and then I have them sent. But now with that not happening, and um, I'd like it if we could get this hashtag to trend on Twitter, uh, COMC Jail, which is what I've been calling it. Like, well, you know, but it's in COMC jail. Like, yeah, I do have another one of those Chris Chelios jersey cards that I like so much, but um, the Panini Prime swatches, but it's in COMC jail. So, or COMC jail, hashtag. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's unfortunately the reality that we're all dealing with right now. Look, I've been, I've been using COMC for, many years i was kind of a observer back in the beginning um i made my first purchase in october of 2012 on there um i remember it like it was yesterday no it was a um it was a cup card actually a cup trios jersey of eric tangrady and alex Paczerski and nick johnson that was the very first card i ever bought off of compsy hmm. and i've been on there ever since and I have a routine where pretty much every business quarter, so every three months, I would gather up all the cards that I have in my inventory and I would take a shipment. And I would get my shipment in a pretty fair, decent amount of time. I mean, for instance, I could go back a couple years. I ordered something on... June 16th of 2018, it shipped on June 21st. I ordered something on November 27th of 18. It shipped on December 5th. I ordered something on October 8th of last year. It shipped on the 15th. I put in my order because, well, it was time. And I'm tired of my stuff being in hashtag come see jail. 
Um, I didn't order fourth quarter of last year. I didn't order first, second, or third quarter of this year because I saw numerous people with issues and shipment dates being pushed further and further and further and further. But I finally said, you know what? I'm just going to roll the dice and go with it. So my over 1,000 card shipment, yes, you heard that correctly, 1, over 1,000 cards, because again, I'm four shipments behind. So it was requested on November 11th. And my estimated ship date is February 16th. Um, now, there used to be updates as to processing and all of that kind of thing. That's all gone away. Um, so, so here's the thing. Com C's in Washington State. Washington State's been shut down. Pretty much just shut down. Um, you know, they've had skeleton crews working on stuff. Some people are getting shipments. Part of the biggest problem is Com C shifted to using eBay as a means of selling for its clients. Eh, what, a year ago? Two years mm-hmm. ago? Ever since they did that, I feel like their customer service and everything has gone downhill. And all of the focus has been given to their premium sellers and to their eBay um, platform, in my opinion. Um, and you see that because if you were to buy through ComC on their eBay platform, your card that you purchase will be shipped to you in less than 10 days from the time you cash out and you purchase the card. Part of that is because they have to follow eBay's rules and eBay's rules say that if you sell a card or you sell anything, you've got to ship in a reasonable amount of time. And if you don't, there's going to be consequences and you're going to have issues with feedback and we're going to ding you for this and take your scores away and all of this kind of stuff. So you get your card quick. But if you buy it from them directly, they will keep it in hashtag ComCJail for a what seems like infinite amount of time. So I feel like that's not right. Because if you have if you have the people to pull the cards that are being bought through the eBay program, then you probably have the people to pull the cards that are being requested for shipments. And here's the thing. I I get my shipments huge. I have a thousand cards coming. You know, you may have 300 cards coming. I've seen people that have five cards that they're ordering shipments for that still get 90 day windows from the time that they click the cash out button till the time that it says their shipment's going to be available. That's what I don't understand. Because if you decided to take everything in your inventory and let's say you move it from your actual kept inventory or your ready to ship inventory and put it into, let's say, your selling inventory. Mm-hmm. And let's say you then move said cards over into an eBay selling inventory. And those get posted on eBay. And let's say you then go to your own auction and you cash out your own auction at a buy it now price and pay yourself the money. You'll have your cards. But if you just try to cash them out 
like a normal person, you won't have your cards. Yeah, that's funny, though. But then you'd have to buy them twice. Yeah, but you're buying it from yourself, so the money's a wash, right? I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. So the uh, other big topic we promised today was uh, the Wayne Gretzky rookie card that is currently on uh, up at auction for, uh, I think it's at $800,000 now. As uh, of when the, I when I checked this. it earlier, yeah, when I checked it earlier, it was at eight hundred thousand based off of the standard bid. But because yep. this is part of Heritage Auctions, that would actually include the buyer's premium, which then pushes this to I want to say nine sixty. Yes. Uh, so it's encroaching on the million dollar mark. So it's safe to say that this Gretzky is going to cost somebody a million dollars by the time it's done. So me subtitling this million dollar Gretzky rookie is not hyperbolic at all. Um, yeah, because uh, we're going to have our not only a Gretzky card over a million, but this will be the first hockey card um, that's garnered a million. I mean, a hockey player purchased a card for a million. But there was, it wasn't a hockey card. So, oddly enough, it was also Wayne Gretzky. But, so, this card is a very controversial card. Why? Would you agree? Uh, I mean, without knowing too much about it, I mean, it's, it's, it's an OPG card. It has really nice, just looking at the picture, it has really nice... Um, edges um to i mean a, i zoom in a, a little point. bit it looks still looks a little rough on the yes. edges when you zoom in five thousand percent on their ginormous picture so but, here's the uh, thing it is a psa graded card yep it is a psa graded 10 card one of the only one now, of only two correct Gretzky rookie opg rookies to get a psa 10 grading only two have ever graded a 10 and this is one of them. Now, anybody that collected cards back at that time or still collects cards or does anything with cards that are pre-1990 will know that during different time frames of Tops and OPG existing, they all use different techniques and styles of printing and different types of inks and all sorts of things throughout time. At this time, OPG cut their cards differently than Tops did. And so cards were very condition sensitive. Number one, because they were usually miscut. Very rarely do you find cards that are perfect centering. Um, chipping along those blue borders. Print mm -hmm. defects. Rough cuts because of the way that they were cut. Um, you would see, especially like pack fresh cards, you would see little dangly pieces of the cardboard sticking off of the side uh, as you pulled them out of the pack. Now, a lot of people would knock those off or, you know, brush it off to the side. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, very few, even in mint nine condition can be found that are out there um, because of the centering and everything else. These, these get 60, 40 or worse is usually how you see them. Uh, when they're out in the wild. Now, if you look at this card and you actually look at the photo, 
without even zooming in, the first thing that jumps out at me, it's not centered. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can clearly see that. Anybody can see that. I'm not a grader. You can see that it's not cent- It's not a centered card, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems a little bit. It seems a little bit bigger on the right side. Just looking yeah. at it now. Right. So the fact that it's off center and still has a ten. Okay. Are are we giving a pass because we know that these cards are traditionally off center? Is that part of the rule of grading? Because again, I don't grade cards. I don't send cards in for grading. I don't know what the rules are, but it's my understanding there really aren't rules and it's subjective to whoever's looking at the card. Do they have their own rules to do things? If you look at a card that's clearly off center, but know that the history of these cards is off center, do you give a little break to that? You know, I haven't seen what the second one that's graded a 10 looks like. I don't know if it's off center or not as well to be able to say, okay, let's compare this to this. Was this the first one that was graded a 10? And they're like, well, we've never seen anything this close. So we're going to make this one the 10. Oh, and then another one comes in. You're like, oh, wow, this one's better. Well, we have to give that one a 10 too. Cause it's better than this one that we already graded a 10. I mean, is that the thought process that they go through? I don't know. Could be. I mean, you know, because you're not grading them all at the same time. You you call them as you know. You call it as you see it. You call them as you know. You you grade them as you get them, right? So, um, well, and that's that's exactly it. And that that goes into the whole subjectivity of the whole grading card industry in general. What's you know where are the checks and balances? Who's deciding what the rules are? Who's making the decision to say this is a 10 this is an eight this is a nine this is a seven this is a four Mm -hmm. you know who's who's deciding all of that and and where does it you know where does all of that come in in the the whole process i mean really look at the card it's a beautiful card it's sweet but there is chipping on the side there is that frayed edging uh, on the side of the card it does look a little off center we know it's a real card because it's got the little dot on his shoulder Mm -hmm. so we know it's a real opichi card but other than that, the corners are pretty crisp on this thing, and it's probably the best-looking one I've ever seen. And, you know, even with the, the little bit of a r- roughness on the corner, or the uh, sides, the edges, ra- rather, uh, it's really not that bad. I mean, compared to, like, a lot of the OPG cards that I have from that set from that year. Um, sure. Are, have, like, the, the edges are more frayed. So this looks really nice. Uh, I mean, if I had a million dollars, I don't know if this is what I'd spend it on. I mean, if I had billions of dollars, yeah, I'd buy hockey cards. But, eh, you know, I think you get to a certain point where you say, yeah, I have a PSA 7 and I'm good with that. You know, like, I'm just happy to have the card. Like, like when I bought my very first uh, 6364 Parkhurst hockey card, it was of Gordie Howe. The card was in poor shape. I paid $10 for it, but I was just so happy to have it, you know, like, cause to me it was just such an iconic card and eventually I upgraded it, but it was just, you know, it was just kind of cool to say, Hey, I have this. So I guess if you have a mint copy, it's cool to say you have that too. And if you're the type who likes to brag about how much money you spend on stuff, then I guess it's cool to say you have a million dollar Gretzky rookie. I mean, it well, sounds cool. 
Well, and that's exactly it. I mean, how many Opeachy Gretzkys are out there? There's a lot. Um, but yeah, there's no shortage. But again, you know, we're we're talking. This is PSA graded, and it's graded a ten. And there's only two. So if you want to talk about this specific and whether you agree that it's an arbitrary number or not, that's kind of what we're dealing with here. Is if you trust grading card companies specifically PSA in this case, and you believe in the service that they provide and what they're putting out, and this is a non-subjective and there's nothing that plays into the background of this, like, you know, they've all been accused of playing favorites with people and, you know, giving their crony buddies, you know, better grades and all that kind of stuff. We've, We've heard all of the stories. We've heard everything, the trimming scandal, the whole deal. We've heard all of that. Knowing all that, and if you trust the company that this is what it is, there's two of these. So that million-dollar premium that's on this product or this on this card, I, I mean, here's the thing. If Gretzky was Michael Jordan and if this was a Fleer 10 Jordan rookie, would we be talking a million or would we be talking three? Probably, yeah, definitely higher because I mean yeah. basketball is way more popular, and I and, think it. I think that Gretzky's rookie has always seemed to me a little undervalued, considering, right? Considering that, you know, Gretzky and Michael Jordan. I mean, they are the 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 best in their respective sports. The Gretzky rookie card is, you know, several years older. You know, nineteen seventy nine versus nineteen eighty six. I think by 86 you had more people who were collecting because of value than 79 um although really i mean you and i probably got into it really like early late 80s early 90s which is when like everybody got into it but yeah i always felt that like gretzky's rookie card was a little low and you know i I kind of regret the fact that this is happening right now because i'm finally in like a position in my life where i could probably Pony up seven hundred, eight hundred dollars for a Gretzky rookie. I do have a Topps rookie. I would like an OPG rookie um, to replace the counterfeit OPG rookie that I bought back in nineteen ninety two, not knowing it was counterfeit. But um, all of a sudden, the effect that this card is having on other Gretzky rookie cards, you know, it, it's going to be an obvious effect. Like I look at that and I go, "Hmm, I'd really like to have an OPG Gretzky." Well, now everybody's thinking the same thing. I was following on eBay. Again, this is just one example. This is not statistical data. This is just one anecdote. I was following a Gretzky Tops rookie on eBay just because, it, I don't know, it came up. I was searching for some other Gretzky thing, and I saw that. I go, ah, yeah, I'll just follow that auction, right? See where it goes. Well, the seller ended up ending the auction and then relisting it with the starting price of $900. When I started watching it, it was kind of like 300 350 400 this might have been a day or so ago and it still had like five days to go or whatever well the guy it had, had bids though it, it had, had people bids bidding. yeah it had bids and because i was a watcher that's i was alerted what's that that's, that's the world we live in now right so now what this guy did was he ended the auction and then he relisted it at a starting price of nine hundred dollars yeah. kind of like an oh no i'm not gonna let this go for less than a grand and you know what if you're a seller you have the right to do whatever you want and as it's buyers it or raw raw yeah okay see here's the thing again there's two of these graded a 10 two right 
you may have this card. You do not have a 10. You probably don't have a 9, and I'm going to guess you probably don't have an 8. If you have this card and it's not a fake one, your card is not in that condition. And if it is, good luck to you, but I guarantee it's not a 10. Now, the, whether the 9 would sell for a million dollars as well, no, because the 10 went for a million. So there's no way the 9 is going to go for a million. But right. again, you don't have a card in that condition. You just don't. You have this card. It looks nice to you. But you're going to see this and you're going to be like, holy crap, I can send this to PSA. And all of a sudden, this went from a $600 card to a million dollar card. No, that's not what's going to happen. This card that's been sitting in a box in your parents' basement for years and years and years collecting dust is not a 10. Trust me, it's not. And this is what's happening. I call it the drafting effect. Just like when you're driving in a car and you get behind like a big truck because it gives gives you the better gas mileage because you're kind of being pulled along by the drafting effect of the vehicles. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why they do that in racing. The cars get all together because the drafting effect kind of pulls them along because they're in that pocket, right? This is the drafting effect. Like you said, this card gets posted. It gets put in every media outlet, mainstream media, sports radio, sports publications, it's in magazines, it's on TV, the local news is talking about it, everybody's podcasts are talking about it, including ours, it's all over social media, everybody's aware that there's all of a sudden a hockey card now that's going to sell for a million dollars. Now, everybody's looking and going, well, if that's worth a million, this has at least got to be worth a couple grand, right? Okay, so now this is $2,000. Oh, well, I have one too, so mine's going to be 2200 Oh, I have one too. It looks maybe a little better. Mine's three thousand. So now all of these cards that were four, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars are now being put up for sale for three, four, five times that. And then all of a sudden, all the lower end ones they come up too. And it's just this, you know, the top is so high now that it brings the bottom up, mm -hmm. you know, with it. And and this is what we're seeing. So here's the thing: is this good for the the hobby as a whole? Maybe because it's going to bring all this extra, you know, all these extra people in, right? It's bringing all this extra attention. So everything we've all been saying, or I've been saying at least, um, you know, look at all these crazy basketball people. All the sneaker heads are getting involved and basketball cards are crazy. Hey, look at all these people that are prospecting on all these quarterbacks in football. They're nuts. You know, all these baseball prospects, all this kind of stuff. I'm glad they're staying away from hockey. Guess what? That door's been knocked down. Series yep. one came out. Retail shelves got wiped because all of the flippers and the investors, I'm doing air quotes again, all of those people jumped on new product. They're like, what is this new product? Let's go after this too. What are we? I don't know. Did I get anything good? Who's this Alexis guy? Holy crap. I can sell this Alexis guy for 400 bucks. Well, let's do that. Well, that's gone. So, now you're you're seeing, oh, well, this is potential for a million-dollar card here. Well, let's get on board. So, you know, you're going to bring in 500 new people. We're in a boom. Let's say this boom busts, like a lot of people are predicting. If a third of those people stuck around that were added at that point in time, does that make the hobby any healthier? Especially yeah. if these are people that are collecting for collecting sake sure does 
because they're going to stick around and they're going to keep collecting and it's going to keep the product hopefully flowing like they do and you know hopefully the companies making cards are going to stay innovative which we always hope but you know yeah healthy thing for the hobby but there's the flip side of that you know how many people are actually using this as strictly i'm trying to make a buck right i want to buy this for a dollar and i want to sell it for a hundred i think there's there's too much of that and i think a lot of people are going to get burned on this whole thing i just remind people if you're going to collect collect what you want collect what you like you can't have a psa 10 gretzky rookie right you and i can't have it almost probably everybody that's listening to our show right now can't not have this card right that's probably a safe bet i mean i don't know any multi-millionaires that are that are tuning into the, to the puck junk podcast but but if you are welcome and you enjoy a shirt and, and yeah buy if, a shirt. <laughs> if you can buy a shirt uh we'll sell you a shirt at regular market price uh it won't be higher just because we know you can afford it but you should probably buy more than one just because but yeah i mean yeah, that, that, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing, and and it like I said, it's being written about. Um, there was a there's an article, you know, we talked about it earlier. There was an article on the score. Their their main hockey writer wrote this whole article a couple weeks ago about how the hockey card market is now seeing a, a huge boom because of everything that's gone on. And you know, he interviewed Ken Reed and 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 Chris Carlin and uh, the PWCC guys and PSA people, and he he referenced the fact that. You got all sorts of quote unquote famous people now jumping into the training training card market. Um, you know, you have DJs and pop culture figures and stuff just talking about talking about cards and pulling out their collections and and all this all this stuff. So it's like I, I don't want to say we're entering into the junk wax era because it's kind of different, but at the same time, is it really? We're just painting it a different color. I feel like sometimes. You know, whereas there was a huge demand, so manufacturers just kept printing and printing and printing and printing and printing, which eventually made prices bottom out, right? So now we have this scarcity. Well, we're not printing as much anymore. Well, are we? Because, yeah, there may only be, and I made this point in a conversation with somebody earlier, instead of 10 million cards because... being produced, there may only be a million cards being produced. But there's 10,000 copies of each color. So, well, yeah, there's only this guy, but you can get them in the base and the prism and the rainbow and the chrome and the green and the blue and the yellow and the pink and this, that, and the other. And it's like, to me, that's saturating the market too, you know? So I don't, I don't know. I, I go, I flip-flop on this. I'm like, should it be an investment? Should it be a collection? Should it be both? Can it be both? Can you really have a self-sustaining hobby anymore? You know, is the new blood good? Is the new blood bad? Is the promotion good? Is it bad? Is the attention good? Is it bad? I don't know. It depends on well, the day of the week. Let me let me offer a little bit of my perspective here because this is something I kind of go back and forth on. And, and there, there's kind of like a fine line 
with uh, with fandoms, uh, with fandoms, with hobbies, you know, being very similar things. You want what you like to be popular enough that there is there is product, there is support for it. Um, so I'll give you like a for instance. When I was a kid growing up, and to me, the biggest thing in the world was Star Wars. And I loved the Star Wars movies, and I loved the action figures, and I loved the comic books. And then they stopped making movies, and then they had the the droids cartoon and the Ewoks cartoon, which were they were so-so, right? And then Star Wars just kind of started to fade away, and then you get into other stuff. And then you still liked, I still liked Star Wars, but like there just wasn't anything around for it, right? But then in like the 90s, it had like a renaissance where they started doing comic books again and then toys again. And then George Lucas made the prequel movies. And even though the prequel movies weren't good um, or they they were okay, I mean, just as a whole, they were just okay. The thing is, is that like it was putting that kind of. Oh, wait, Phantom Menace is the bomb. Phantom Menace was a bomb, not the bomb. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Or or if you're Gungan, bomb bad. Um, (laughs) But. Uh, sorry, folks. (laughs) But you want things to be, you you want it to get enough attention and support that it sustains itself, right? Because if there is no Star Wars movies and no Star Wars toys, it would be pretty much a dead fandom. But it came back, right? It came back and it's popular and then it became like this evergreen thing. And like with sports collecting, like, I remember how freaking hard it was to find hockey anything in Chicago in the 80s. And then when you had the hockey card boom of the 90s, then hockey cards were everywhere. And then even though that kind of dried up and now I couldn't find hockey cards at like a random gas station I might go to, there was still, it was still like hockey was mainstream enough that, yeah, my local Target would have it or Walmart or whatever. And so you you I want hockey to be popular enough that these things, you know, perpetuate, right? Like more products come out, new products come out, things keep getting innovated, more people get uh, go go into the fandom. I make new friends in the fandom. I make new you know friends to trade cards with. Like these are all things that we like, or even more people that I could sell cards to, um, you know, because every now and then somebody will be like, hey, I want to buy some jump quack sets from you like oh, well let me help you out my friend how many sets of 91 score would you like right you know but the the fine line is you don't want to have so many people into it that it's just it becomes it, it blows up and then all of a sudden you have people trying to sell alexi lafreniere rookie cards for 600 dollars, which we see that 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 stopped pretty quickly. I mean, that that card is, as we mentioned, it went down. So it's like you want it to be popular enough that it's just, that it's sustaining, but you don't want it to be so popular that it's just out of control, right? Like another example will be like old school comic book people will talk about what San Diego Comic Con was like 30 years ago. It was a really big comic book show. Now it's just become this media extravaganza where you know, right. they're going to show the new trailer to the new Star Trek movie and the trailer to the new Star Wars movie and the trailer to the new Spider-Man movie. And then they're going to have like all of these things. And it's, it just kind of takes it away from what it used to be. So 
that that's how I see it. Like I do want there to be new collectors and I want there to be new hockey card, hockey fans, hockey collectors, you know, but you don't want it to get so out of hand that like everybody's doing it because then it just, it just, it spirals out of control. Like when everybody wants that Alexi Lafreniere rookie card, it goes up to a thousand dollars and it really shouldn't be that, that much of a card, right? Because maybe you don't, maybe the speculators versus the true fans is 60, 40 or 70, 30. And then it just starts to kind of, I think that's where the problem comes in. Yeah. I, I don't want to be the get off my lawn guy, but I also don't want to be the, the guy that is like my kids seem to be becoming where it's like they watch these videos on TikTok or YouTube and stuff. And that's where they get their news and their media and that's what they know because that's their world but it's instantaneous stuff and they show me a video and they'll say dad look at this and it's something funny and then maybe three days later i bring up the funny video that they showed me and they have no clue what i'm talking about because in the meantime they've already watched seventy thousand other videos and they forgot about it two seconds later so it's like you know the snapping that's it's What's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? It's something new, something new, something new. It, it can't be that. So it can't be the, we can't change. We can't do anything. Get off my lawn. And it also can't be the, you know, new, 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 new. It's got, there has to be a happy medium in the middle. And you're right. We have to bring people in to maintain it. But there has to be some semblance of structure there in order for it to not become a joke. And, you know, as much as I like hockey, I don't see hockey becoming the craziness that the other sports have become. Um, partially because Gary V hasn't spoke one word about hockey. Well, not which, since he told everybody to buy Brian Leach rookie cards. And... Oh, he did say that? Yeah, yeah, he posted a picture of all these OPG Brian Leach rookie cards, and he's like, Brian Leach was a really good defenseman. I'd be investing in him right now, you know, if I if I were you. And then somebody replied, "Well, yeah, but you posted the Opeechee rookie, and really you should be investing in the Tops rookie." And I'm like, "Well, you know, any hockey card collector, not okay, past two new collectors because they might not know this, but old school seasoned collectors. I don't want to yeah. say old school, but seasoned collectors would know that the top set." actually has a lower production. Well, and that's one of the exceptions to the rule, though, too, if you think about it. True. You know, usually people chase the Opeechee card because they think, oh, that's more rare. But that like was like, well, yeah, and that was like the one year where, nope, the roles were reversed. <laughs> so, so yeah, okay, so, yeah, so Gary V, please stay away from hockey because I yeah. kind of like it. I kind of like it being the fourth sport, well, actually fifth sport, according to COMC, soccer cards are now the fourth sport. You know what? Like I said, popular enough that it's sustaining and that there's new cards to collect, but not so popular that your sneaker heads are like, oh, yeah, we're going to invest in these hockey cards. Well, they don't wear sneakers. They wear skates. So maybe we're safe. Yeah. And would I, would I like my 9091 Opeechee Premier Yager rookie to go back up to $70 like it was at one point in time? Yeah, sure. But do I really want it to go back up? No, I don't. Yeah. It's kind of fun. To, it's kind of fun to get cards for not a lot of money. Yeah. Because if you're into it for 
the, the enjoyment, then, you know, you, you don't want right. to spend an arm and a leg to get a card that you love. Do I want to search through a box at a card show and find 75 Lindros rookies that are going to cost me $2? Yes. Do I want each of those cards to cost $2? No. Yeah, it's like it's like the industry I'm in, like, right? So I do property taxes. Everybody wants their property values to be through the roof because if I'm going to sell it, I want to make tons of money. But when it comes to actual taxable value, they want it to be really low because they don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> so it's a double-edged sword. You can't have it both ways. There has to be something in the middle. So we're uh, we're pretty much, uh, I want to say out of time because podcasts can be infinite. But uh, are, are we caught up yet? I think I think we're pretty much caught up over the last two weeks. So uh, any last thoughts before we uh, tie a bow on this one? My only thoughts are keep an eye on that Gretzky rookie. It's just we're all, we're all going to see where it goes, and history will be made in the next few days. That's for sure. But as I always say, collect whatever you want. Don't get caught up in fads or trends. Do it because you like to do it. Sage advice indeed. Well, thank you all for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. And as always, subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends and family all about it. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.